Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. It is finally Friday, ahead of a three-game weekend for three game, a three-day weekend for a lot of us. I am not on my P's and Q's today, Stacey, you guys. I'm you got down, a runny nose? I'm down bad. You got allergies? I think I have allergies. I tested negative for COVID. I took two tests. Um, That's what everyone But my says. nose won't stop running. Everyone I, says I tested Yeah, I, I can't stop sneezing. So are you sick? Can't stop. Won't stop. I don't think I'm sick. I think I have allergies, but I'm like, it's wintertime. Who has allergies in the wintertime? I do. It's crazy. Yeah? Yeah. I'm, I apologize to everyone for how my voice is going to sound today. I'm going to be very nasally. I'm trying my best. <laughs> I no, don't I, think I have a cold. I don't I don't have COVID. I just can't stop sneezing. <laughs> Sometimes it'd be like that. It'd be like the people don't think it'd be like that. But it, it'd be being like that. But it do. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Friday, Bump. How's uh how's your Friday going Happy so far? Mine is great. So far, so good. You know what? Actually it started off pretty bad. Why? So I woke up this morning, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, I get up at five o'clock, get my workout in, right? And five AM? Yeah. Ooh. That's the only time I can do it. And um, I get on the treadmill and I start my my incline jog portion of it, and it felt like something bit me in my calf. Uh-oh. And the oh, first no. thing I thought was Greenlaw and Curtis Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> I like, look, man, this Achilles cannot go shot. on me. <laughs> something bit me, <laughs> so um, it forward. scared me. So what I did was I uh, I turned the treadmill off and I said, all right, all right, let's go to weights because I, I'm not risking uh, that that injury there. <laughs> I love smart. the idea of Curtis. I bet shot. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Took a blow dart. Curtis, how's your Friday going so far? So far, so good. Yeah. It's. I think it's sunny out from what I can see uh, yeah, across the newsroom. It was also freezing this morning. Yes, it was. I know today and yesterday there are people uh, that have snow. I don't know if you guys where you're listening have snow. Yesterday people were texting us saying it was snowing in Renton. Yeah, it was snowing a little bit. Uh, so I go through Woodenville, then uh, Kirkland. You have a and, long drive. Uh, and then across the bridge. And I, I got to see everything. I saw the snow. I saw the ice. I saw the sun, the water. Yeah. Very relaxing drive when there's no traffic. It is beautiful this morning morning it's sunny it's gorgeous it's freezing but still gorgeous i just you know it's just a it's been a lovely week it's been a nice little uh first week of 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 uh i guess post super bowl uh seattle stuff we've got uh new coordinators to talk about we learned a lot from them yesterday um we also learned a lot from john schneider who was on with wyman and bob for the very first john schneider show i believe i don't want to Speak for them. I believe this is going to go all the way up to the draft, right, yeah. Curtis? Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so this is going to go all the way up to the draft. So everything, every single Thursday, I think at 4 p.m., they're going to be talking with John Schneider. So we had the very first John Schneider show. Uh, I wrote down that we learned three things, okay? We learned a lot more than three things. But for the purposes of this conversation, Bob, we learned three things. The first, there are not Pete guys. There are not John guys. <laughs> there are just... Seahawks. We always shared that duty. We never, we never felt like, okay, you know, it's my guy or your guy. You know what I mean? Like that, that was never, you know, it, 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 it's never, it was never like that. I heard something this morning where it was like, I, I think, forget what I was listening to, and we were like, well, you know, Gino was was really Pete's guy or something. Like, nah, nah. Every time they come in the building, they're our guy. Like that was, that's never a, that's never been an issue, and I don't see that going forward at all. You know, at the end of the day, you you, you do have to like make a decision and so pete was you, you know while i understand what you're saying like from a well now the know, buck c- stops c- with contractual you. standpoint yes now the book yes you're right 
And the difference there really truly is like, okay, well, you know, are we still making the best decision for this, for the Seahawks? And that's like, that's what guides us all the time. So Bump, this was part of a conversation about, you know, hey, is it going to be any different having what feels like final say, you know, previously you did share a lot of that responsibility with Pete. um, And then uh, I don't want to say unprompted, but as close as possible to that, he brought up. Gino being his guy, being like, it's not a Pete guy. There aren't guys here that like, because Pete's gone, there's suddenly no one advocating for them. If you're in the building, you're a Seahawk. Yeah, you're a Seahawk. As soon as you have the jersey on, as soon as you sign the contract, as soon as you walk through that building, you are a Seahawk guy. Here's where, where John is wrong and he's right. He's wrong because at one point there are guys who are John guys and Pete guys because they're the ones bringing them to the table. We also heard him say that. You know, Pete Carroll would hit him up and say, hey, let's do another deep dive on this guy because maybe they weren't on the same page when it came to the analysis of this player. Um, So initially, they bring guys to the table and say, this is the guy I like and this is why I like them. And then you you converse with your, your partner. You go, all right, what are you feeling? What do you see? And then once you guys get on the same page, they become your guy. So, yeah, he's not he's not he's not wrong. Um, He's right. He's the general manager. All those are his guys and peace guys. They're Seahawks. But at some point, you have to um, bring up the idea of a player. And in that moment, you're advocating for him. He's your guy. But no, I'm just that's just me doing what the media does and dissecting stuff and trying to um, bring it. Show you every step. No, I'm just showing you every step because (laughs) it's it's fair. fair. Peace not looking at every guy that John's looking at. And John's not looking at every guy that Pete's looking at. And that's what it's going to be with Mike McDonald. But he's right. As soon as you're in that building, you're a Seahawk. Also, for what it's worth, uh, I think he's talking about hearing it on the morning show. I uh, have heard from um, at least one reporter that the assumption was that Gino was uh, Pete's guy, that that Pete was really an advocate for Gino and in his corner, and that John may or may not have been kind of interested to see what he might have gotten in Drew. It doesn't mean that John doesn't believe in Gino or that John nah. didn't want to see him out there, but like I think that's where that stems from. But that's also also how you hold each other accountable and you bounce ideas off of each other. I'm sure there's a moment, there have been moments where Pete likes one player more than John likes him, and Pete has to convince John why he likes him and how he fits, and vice versa. That's just a healthy relationship, in my opinion. There are going to be guys that Mike McDonald brings to the table that John's like, ah, tell me more. Yeah. Uh, let, let me see more film. How do you envision it? Because I'm not seeing it right now. And then John would do, do the same thing with Mike McDonald. That's why it's great to have a solid team around you that uh, where you have different perspectives. That's why I love Leslie Frazier being there. I love Dirty being there. And Mike McDonald because they're all going to contribute to this group project. The second thing we learned from John Schneider this week, he doesn't see 2024 as a step back. The coaches at this time of the year are usually going through, you know, getting ready for free agency. They're kind of getting some names for draft draft guys to study right so i'm sure there's gonna be a little of anxiety from that point of view for the coaching staff but hey look it's like hey we got that right now we'll get caught up with that later let's get this staff together let's 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 build this continuity and and and, and build this whole philosophy that we're going to be you know working through together and then then that'll come together now how fast that like you know i think i think based on the Open lines of communication, the way it's gone so far, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see a lot of hindrances to, uh, you know, what would lead to success on the, on the field. I don't, I don't look at it like, and I have been through coaching changes, mm-hmm. and so you know, it's like, oh, you got to take that. I don't, I don't feel that. I, I could see where people would think, well, you know, you know, that, you know people are gonna have to adjust. Yeah, everybody's got to adjust, but everybody's got to adjust every year. And if you're not adjusting, you're falling behind. 
When the Seahawks parted ways with Bobby Wagner and then traded Russell Wilson and all of that happened in the same offseason, I understood why NFL fans uh, around the country were like, oh, Seattle's going to win four games. Seattle's in a step back. Yeah, you don't have your franchise quarterback. You Mm -hmm. don't have two of the most consistent pieces of your team. Of course people are thinking that. I was people. I was one of those people (laughs) thinking they would win four or five games. A new head coach doesn't make me think step back. Not in the same way. This isn't a personnel thing. Mm -hmm. This is... Hey, you know, we might have a slightly different philosophy. Uh, we're going to have a different, um, uh, some maybe some different edges to the culture. Uh, we're going to bring in new faces. Mm-hmm. Um, but this isn't uh, swapping out one quarterback for another, uh, getting rid of a bunch of guys on defense. This is the intention is to improve, yeah. not to rebuild. No, nah, it's to improve, and I think they will. Here's where the step back is going to be. It's happening right now. It's getting all the guys on staff, the guys that you want. Right At this point in time last year, there's always some turnover in the coaching staff, but you're not having the same meetings and having the same conversations and interviewing guys. So there's a step back there because you're not ahead the way you would if you already had a staff in place. There's going to be a little bit of a step back when um, installing this offense, installing this defense, because Gino has to learn a new playbook. And, and listen, football is football. It's all about the language that you use in a playbook. No one... It's rare that an offensive coordinator gets to the NFL or gets to a team and throws concepts out there that nobody has ever seen before. There are tweaks to stuff, but everything is football in football is is based off of something else, something that was learned, something that was taught, and then someone adds a little sauce to it, and you add more sauce to it, or you add more layers to it, and then eventually you have the greatest seven-layer dip that I've seen in Super Bowl history. Big I ups Ross McPherson. I knew that this would end with some kind of analogy. Yeah. I knew yeah, that's where we were going. Sorry. I didn't expect it to be seven-layer dip. Seven layers. Can I actually say something, though? What's up? Um, I think seven-layer dips are better without sour cream. Without sour cream. And I hope that you're willing to accept um, that truth. I think the sour cream needs to be maybe an option on the side or just a little plop in the middle. And I get it. It adds a little, you know how people like cut things with like salt sometimes or yeah. like you need a little vinegar, or you mm-hmm, need whatever. Mm-hmm. So I understand the purpose of it. I'm just not a sour cream well, person. I am. I, I'm for sour cream. There's too cream. many yeah. soft things. I'm for sour it. cream. Okay, can't call it fine. seven layer dip without sour cream. Well, you can exactly. add a different layer of something else. Maybe layer. you add a layer of, 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 of uh, queso. You know. Okay. Can I get back to my analogy? I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. I'll get us back on track. <laughs> no. It's um, the allergies. It's the allergies. I have a lot of, of Dayquil. Hey, what system. do you say to our kids, Curtis? You little loopy? Huh? <laughs> little, little sleepy, little loopy? <laughs> that's exactly how I am right now. Um, But that that's the step back is that you have to install a new offense, a new defense. Now, these are professionals. These guys are going to get it. I don't see Geno struggling with the playbook. I don't see whoever's leading the defense struggling, but this is where the step back is. But I'm with them 100%. Once you get into the training camp and you're on the field and you're playing ball again, you have the pieces to keep this rolling. All right. The third thing we learned, I cheated a little bit because this was more of like we just got some more insight on the coaching hires. So first thing was there aren't Pete guys, there aren't John guys, there are only Seahawks. The second thing was he doesn't see 2024 as a step back. The third thing we learned, I just have some quotes on Ryan Grubb and Mike McDonald that I thought were interesting. So um, here's John Schneider uh, talking about the role between he and Mike McDonald as Mike McDonald continued to fill in his coaching staff. We had two Zoom interviews. And so, yeah, my involvement is very much like support. I'm here, like, this is your staff to give the opinions on everybody that's, that you know, again, all the horsepower that we have in the building and, in you know, all of our contacts with the personnel department, all the scouts, everybody, you know, with uh, in the pro personnel department and everything. And, 
you know, help with that. And obviously help philosophically, like, you know, we know this about this guy, this about that guy, you know, and then these are the specific questions you may want to ask or this is what you may want to think about. And that was both with both the coordinators. And then now that the coordinators are involved, it kind of, it's just easier, I think, for uh, those guys to, and, and obviously Leslie Fraser, who's amazing, by the way, and just to be able to let those guys kind of go now and like, you know, make it feel like, hey, this is, this is, this is, this is my staff and it's, it's going to be a great staff. We're really excited about the group. And- now, I think that was hugely important because obviously John Schneider would be able to have oversight over coaching uh, decisions in a way that he didn't before, but you don't want to be Jerry Jones. You know what I mean? You don't want to be, uh, you know, breathing down someone's neck, not allowing him to build the coaching staff he wants. Bump him, get to combine it with one more cut, uh, and then I'll let you tell me what you think about it. This is what John Schneider had to say about Ryan Grubb. Like, real active brain, real quick, you know, uh, extremely intelligent, you know, knows what he wants, but is, has, has, has really come up, like, kind of like that Midwest, Iowa, self-made, you know, figured things out at different levels. One where he's ever, wherever he's been, really been able to like figure out what he has to work with, and then like we, like I said earlier, football is football, and he just has like literally worked through it. So, you know, people have said in in here at Washington, well, you know, they don't run the ball well. Actually, their time of possession was massive, and yeah, they did run the ball pretty damn well. Yeah, and and by the way, they have like five guys that you know could play receiver in the National Football League or something crazy like that. You know, so. They were using their tools like you would. You, we'd be questioning them if they didn't use their tools that right. way, right? So yeah, no, he, he he's really impressive, and uh, you know, um, Coach DeBoer was 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 awesome with us through this process, and we appreciate his patience and everything too. So. I thought the little nugget about Coach Kalen DeBoer helping at the end of the process was interesting. Which obviously you're going to help your friend. Your friend's getting a chance to go to the NFL. You're going right. to be upset, but like. You can't help them, or you can't not help them. No, nah, that's the fraternity of coaching. Yeah. You want your guys to go off and do bigger and better things and be in positions they want to be in, even though that might have hurt Kalen DeBoer's soul to see his boy go to the NFL. He understands. Kalen DeBoer has his dream job. Why not let uh, Grubb get um, one step closer to his dream job if this isn't it already? So, uh, yeah, that's just uh, that's part of the process, man. You, you want your guys to, to do better things. <laughs> My girl Stacy hit the Claritin. She ain't thinking too clear. I need Claritin. <laughs> I need some kind of allergy medication. I took Dayquil, but it's not it's not doing what I need nah, it to need do. I allergy. sound horrible. This is horrible radio. Yeah, I, objectively horrible radio. No, nah, you good. It's like just a different person's here. I, you're fine. That's <laughs> Somebody exactly subbed what it in. Is. It's just gonna be, hey guys, I'm Tracy. <laughs> She's the the worst. (laughs) Anastasia's here. I know. Oh, God. Yeah. When I tried to convince people my name was Anastasia, Mm -hmm. you ever look back at things you did when you were younger and just think you're so stupid? All the time. You're so stupid. Be in the shower, be like, dang it. Why did I do that? What's the dumbest thing you've ever tried to convince someone of? (laughs) Dumbest thing I've tried to convince someone? Yeah. That I was of age when I wasn't. What was the argument you made? How how much different? How much younger? I was like 16. And I was trying to buy something that required you to be 18. <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, I just don't have it, man. But I mean, come on, man. I'm, come on, I'm 18. And, you know, they just, just I'm trust clearly me. 16. <laughs> trust me on clearly. this one. I got this. Uh, all right, you guys. I saw someone uh, text into the Back and Jack's text line. Baseball, please. Don't worry. We got you covered at 1045. Is there a finishing kick in store for the Mariners offseason? That's coming your way in about 30 minutes before we get to it. Let's get to headline rewrites. Extra, extra, read all about it. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. Headline number one: Seahawks with a couple more additions to their coaching staff. They've named former Steelers wide receiver coach Frisman Jackson to the same position 
and then added former Rams assistant Jake Peets as the passing game coordinator. What's the real headline? This might be the first coaching staff in NFL history that's never seen an episode of Seinfeld. Now, obviously, some of these guys have seen Seinfeld, I'm sure. But this is a very young coaching staff, and every coach that's hired, born in the 80s, maybe in his 40s, maybe still older than your head coach who's just 36. It it is wild to go from where this coaching staff was, not that they didn't have, you know, young guys, but you had the oldest head coach in the league with guys like Carl Tater, like guys who had been there, done that for years, decades, to now a coaching staff where pretty much everyone was born in the 80s. Yeah, it's uh, it's you ask for new eyes and for things to be refreshing, you got exactly that. Most of these guys are in their 40s, uh, but they've been around the game a long time. Man, I don't want people to look at their age and scratch their head and be like, why did they get this spot? If you look at everyone's resume, um, they've earned it. They got here for a reason. And uh, I'm excited, man, because it, it feels like and sounds like this, uh, this staff is almost complete. I don't know if they got a D-line guy yet, but you did get a running back coach as well. There it is, the running back coach. I forgot his name. He's 60 years old. So there we go. He's going to balance it out Kennedy a little bit. Kennedy There you go. He's going to balance it out a little bit. So, no, I like the mix. You got 30s, 40s. You got uh, some 60s in there. No matter the age, if they can work well together, if they can be the teachers that we know Mike McDonald wants, yeah. this team can have success. Headline rewrites. Headline number two, Raiders quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo has been suspended two games for violating the NFL's policy on performance-enhancing substances. What's the real headline? Aren't those supposed to make you better? (laughs) (laughs) You're supposed to be better at your job when you take, like, imagine taking PEDs and then being bad. I'd be so mad. Yeah, well... It doesn't affect your decision making. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, you, you take those PEDs. You want to be out there. You balling. know what I'm saying? Like, hit- imagine being the baseball player that took PEDs and you hit ten home runs, and you're like, "What? Come on!" Because you just ain't got the talent. The PEDs want to do so it, much, you know? right? You're, you're but Barry in the Hall of Fame. Your God-given ability <laughs> needs to take over. But the worst part about this is that it could mess up Jimmy's money. Yeah. He could lose 11.25 million dollars in base guarantees, um, whether he's on the roster or not with the Raiders. So, yeah, um, we we make jokes about his performance and say what you want about Jimmy. He's won a lot of games and he's got some Super Bowl rings. He wasn't necessarily the quarterback for those things. Yeah. Uh, But when you start talking about millions of dollars at risk, man, that has to hurt. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that he could because it sounds like, as reports have come out about this, that he will be missing out on that, uh, Mm. not only as a penalty of violating this policy. um, Maybe, you know, that was in the contract with the Raiders, but that, and I love that Adam Schefter threw this in at the end, the Raiders plan to release him. Like, he just threw it in is like a little aside <laughs> there's just such a jimmy g i remember us all collectively as football fans having a conversation about whether we did him dirty like whether we didn't give him enough credit you know for overseeing a 49ers visit to the super bowl yes it was ultimately a loss but that was a really good team seeing him separated from the 49ers i don't think we were wrong no we're not wrong but here he did everything brock purdy did I'm not I'm not sure about the completion percentage or touchdowns to interception ratio, but he did everything that our guy Brock Purdy has done. So how is Purdy going to separate himself from Jimmy Garoppolo? Because until he wins the big game, the Super Bowl, him and Kyle Shanahan are going to be seen as the guys who can get there but can't get it done. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, Jimmy's losing a lot of money. Yeah. Fortunately, he's made a lot of money, so he should be okay. 
uh, from Joel Corey, Jimmy Garoppolo's suspension, maybe a gift to the Raiders because the default language in that contract might have saved them some money on that. So it might not even be like a penalty. It's just we automatically don't have to pay you that 11.2 million bump talked about. So, hey, congratulations to the Raiders. I do wonder what they're going to do at quarterback. I think they, what do they have? Pick number, I don't know, 10, 7, somewhere around there. Do they go with Aiden O'Connell? Do they sign a free agent? Are they vying for a Drew Locke kind of guy who's going to be an unrestricted free agent? They should be looking at Drew Locke, Justin Fields, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins. They got some options there. They're at 13. 13. That is high enough to get someone, but Mm -hmm. not Drake May. Not certainly not Caleb Williams. Maybe not the guy they want. Headline rewrites. Headline number three, great to see the Kraken blowing out the Bruins last night, four to one, thanks in large part to a three-point night from Maddie Beneers. What's the real headline? There's the Maddie we've been expecting. Yeah, Maddie's been doing this thing. Uh, two goals, three points in the last two games. Of Decorah continues to, to be one of the best goalies in the game, with third in the league when it comes to goals against 2.3. It's weird seeing Decorah be up there with the rankings when it comes to goaltenders and then see the record of this team. Decorah got to be looking like, come on, guys, we need more production. But um, but no, this is uh, the Maddie that we want to see, and that I think we will see. This is what his second year, second full year, second full. Um, and he's gonna grow. He's gonna keep getting better. But you need that superstar on your team. McCann's been trying to. Hold it down for the Kraken, but uh, Maddie, be that guy. All right, coming up at 1045, is there a finishing kick in store for the Mariners offseason? Yes, we're talking about Matt Chapman. Again, that's coming your way in about 20 minutes before we get to it. Three big names, three expensive decisions for the Seahawks. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Well, we've talked about a couple roster decisions the Seahawks are going to have to make, but we've got three particularly expensive ones to talk about. One really fun one that's, um, they don't have to make it. It's just a possibility. Uh, one that you'd probably all like to make, but it is going to be expensive. Uh, and one that everyone I've talked to wants to make. Uh, but is pricier than you think. So let's go. St- let's go ahead and uh, start with that one. Uh, Jamal Adams is a Seahawk, and he is a Seahawk under contract. That being said, a lot of people are ready to move on from Jamal Adams. Before I keep going with the financials bump, um, have you? You and I have kind of talked about the hypothetical world of if McDonald could get something out of Jamal. But overall, mm-hmm. do you think you're kind of ready to move on from Jamal? Ready. Um, I'm more ready than I have been. Yeah. I'm still a, I don't know, what is it about Jamal that, that makes me believe that he could, yeah. if he is healthy, he came back too soon, maybe he chills for yep. a little bit, yep. and we'll see what happens. But um, but no, if there's a time to do it, now's the time. You look at the Seahawks, they're about 1.5 um, over their salary cap. Obviously, things are going to change. You're going to restructure some things. You're going to cut some guys. Jamal might be one of them. They'll be okay when it comes to uh, the cap. I never really overreact when I look at teams that are over the cap because i go oh it's gonna change it's it's gonna (laughs) be fine it's all fake they hire somebody to make sure that they're good to go but yeah if if i've ever been okay with letting jamal go now would be the time so if you do let jamal go as i know many seahawks fans want it's not without a cost now there are overall some cap savings but you're still carrying $20 million in dead cap. I've seen some people say, well, 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 wait a minute. If you do a post-June 1st designation, it's only $10 million in dead cap. Yes, but the savings cannot be used for free agency this period. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everyone would do post-June 1st <laughs> designations right. for any cap move that they want to make. So the entire thing is you're going to be penalized for moving on earlier. 
than than you otherwise would have. Um, so if you want to move on, you have a little extra money uh, to spend in free agency, but you're still carrying $20 million as opposed to 10 post June 1st. Joel Corey is a salary cap expert who works for CBS Sports. He was on with us yesterday. He wonders if there could be a different path forward for Jamal and the Seahawks. I'm calling up and trying to see if there's some sweet spot in terms of where you get more cap space or relief than you would if you cut me. And I'm going to get more than I might get someplace else and try to make some or all the money back through playtime. So you got Julian Love making six. So maybe you take a big enough pay cut to where he's in the same neighborhood as them. You make it up incentives, and that could potentially be what would be best for Adams and give the Seahawks more cap relief than an outright release. So Joel is wondering if Jamal might be willing to take a pay cut or a little bit of a restructure because, well, his value has never been lower on the open market. If I were Jamal, I'd be open to it. Um, but Jamal seems to be one of the more prideful players out there. Right, He has been an all-pro. He's been a pro bowler. He's done some things that a DB has never done. And forget what what you might think of Jamal, right? I'm sure a lot of you are listening to this and be like, why? Why? He should take the the cut, right? He should understand that he hadn't had a good season uh, for the last few seasons. And he probably does understand that. But there's something called an ego. And that ego has gotten <laughs> Jamal very far in life. And I, as much as I would understand, and it would probably be a good move for him to take a cut, I also understand that um, he sees himself in a different light. And he feels like he can still make some plays. So it's his right and his duty to go out and see if he's worth what he thinks he's worth. Yeah. The NFL will tell you what you are worth. Whatever you think sounds good, there's probably only one person in this whole league who can uh, can make demands, and that's Patrick Mahomes at this point. Everybody else, you're at the mercy of the league, the salary cap, the team that you play for currently, and the teams that are out there. I think that I would love for Jamal to be on this team because yeah. I really believe that – if he's healthy, Mike McDonald could use him, but it would have to come at a, at a cheaper cost just because of the production over the past few years. Yeah, I agree. There's no way that he's staying on with his current contract. I can't see the team being able to stomach that, but you're right. Like maybe there's a world, just as Joel Corey said, where Jamal Adams swallows a little bit of pride and agrees to restructure some things, move some money around because he knows that. Unfortunately for him, he's never been less valuable to other teams. Yeah. Uh, all right. Another name, Leonard Williams, a name that if I asked most people, do you want to keep Leonard Williams? They'd say, of course. It's a little pricier than you think, though. You gave up a second rounder to bring in Leonard Williams. He's about to become an unrestricted free agent. If you're his agent, there is another name that you're looking at, that being Dre Jones. He's making $21 million per year on the last deal. Is he thinking I'll take a pay cut to stay? Or is he looking for top dollars? Already gotten one payday. Sometimes when you've already gotten a payday, you're thinking, I don't necessarily need every last dollar, but I guarantee <laughs> if he's going to stay put, you have to pay more than Draymond Jones. <laughs> now, more than Draymond Jones is going to mean more than about 17, 18 million. Yeah, Dre signed a what, three year, 51 million, about 17 million per year, 30 guaranteed. This is just business right here. I know, um, and it might be hard for some people to kind of separate business and the game itself because a lot of us would 
die to be in these guys' position and say, I would just, I would do this and I would do that. All right, well, you be in the league at 29 years old and know that this is probably your last chance to make some big money. And you tell me what you would do regardless of the money that you've made. This is the process that Leonard Williams has to go through and he should go through. You have to maximize your dollars while you are in this league because this league will cut you. So what do you do? You look at guys on that defensive line. You hone in on Draymond Jones, which Leonard Williams' agent is going to do and say, look, we hold the same type of value. Can we get this done? Now it's about spreading the money out, right? You guarantee money and you spread it out through the contract. That's how you save. So it's it's all about how McDonald views Leonard and how important he is to this defense. I think he is a guy that you need on this squad. Um, you don't have a second-round pick. He balled out the last half of the season, played every single week, did not have a bye week because of the uh, yeah. uh, the, the move he made ever in NFL history. with the New York Giants over here to us. So, um, so yeah, man, I, th- I mean, you got to go through this process, and you should ask for as much money as possible, but hopefully they're able to work something out. All right, and the last name we're looking at is a player not currently on the roster, but one who could be, and that's in part because of a need for the Seahawks and also their new head coach. Of course, I'm talking about Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen is a former first-round pick by the Baltimore Ravens who's set to become a free agent. Now, early on in his career with Baltimore, it's not like he was their very best defensive player. There were questions for Patrick there, too, just as there have been questions at times for Jordan Brooks. Seattle has loved Jordan Brooks, but Jordan Brooks has struggled with some injuries of late. Meanwhile, Patrick Queen had a phenomenal year last season for Mike McDonald. Patrick Queen is going to be much more expensive, but for Joel Corey, he'd rather have Queen over Brooks. I don't necessarily know he's your guy. Temerity brings comfort. Mike McDonald comes from Baltimore. There's a guy drafted right around him. I believe the pick after went to his first Pro Bowl that knows this defense that already has a high-priced linebacker there in Roquan Smith. They didn't pick up the option for almost 12-8. I'm sending Patrick Queen here. If you're going to pay a linebacker, pay him. You know what he can do in this system. No offense to Jordan Brooks. Probably costs more, but that one makes sense to me. Patrick Queen is a Seahawk. He is one of the most popular names I've seen thrown out from Seahawks fans on the Mac and Jacks text line bump. What do you make of bringing Patrick Queen here, knowing he could be looking at $18 million per year? This is as close to hitting the transfer portal NIL as you're going to get. Mike McDonald, the timing just, is just perfect, right? You're leaving Baltimore. Patrick Queen is up for a contract. You can talk to him and try to entice him to get over here. Who's the better linebacker out of Jordan Brooks and Queen? Obviously, it's Queen. So now it comes down to McDonald and how important that position is to him. And I, I've said this for weeks now, Stacy. The inside linebacker position in a Mike McDonald's defense is extremely important. Every position is important. But you look at the production that he was able to get out of Queen and Smith, and you realize that they are versatile. They can cover running backs out the, the backfield. They're good dropping into zone. And they are violent at the point of attack when you get after the football. In a perfect world, you got Queen and Jordan Brooks, and it's all good. We'll see how they're going to spend their money. Um, I'm definitely picking up the phone and calling Patrick Queen and seeing if you can work something out. I love Jordan Brooks. I think that if it's, if it's not Patrick Queen, it has to be Jordan Brooks. Uh, so you got to be patient, uh, as patient as you can be in this situation. But if you're able to get a guy like Queen in this defense, you got to shoot your shot. I think that he's the name that a lot of people turn to in terms of like, hey, I really want to improve this defense. This is someone who was great last year for them. Uh, the one thing you can say is that obviously Brooks will be cheaper. And that's what I'm saying. It goes, okay, where are your posi- positions of immediate need? You need another inside linebacker. 
but you technically have one right now if you decide to extend him. Right. When you look at this offense and defense, where else do you need immediate need? You need, uh, I think you need a defensive lineman, Leonard Williams. I think you might need an offensive lineman or two as well to, to help with the depth over there. Uh, so it, now, now it's just about how they view their team. Where do they think they need the most help? I think it starts at the linebacker spot, though. All right, there's one potential Mariners contributor who remains unsigned. And what if the price is right? Could he bring the final finishing kick for the Mariners offseason? That's next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. I can't wait to see how this show sounds in like an hour. I am uh, dealing with... some cold medicine. Well, I apologize for the way that I sound. I know it's not easy listening. I'm dealing with some allergies. And um, so I took a bunch of DayQuil because I didn't have anything else. And then I got here and Bumps just given me during the break some allergy medication. And was I supposed to take two or one? Please tell me you just took one. How many? Well, you gave just, me. I said, Stacy, please tell oh. me you took one. Uh-oh. I specifically said. You said take a couple. I said take a couple, but only take one right now. I did remember hearing. Like take some with you so you don't have to worry about it for the next few days, but take one right now. Stacey, please tell me you took one of those things. I just took one of them things. All right, cool. (laughs) (laughs) You sound like when I tell Willa, like, no sweets before dinner, and then all of a sudden I see her with, like, a chocolate unwrapped. I'm like, are you eating sweets? (laughs) No. This is going to be a good show today. (laughs) (laughs) Stacey's going to be. I won't tell you how many I took, but let me tell you what. We're going to roll around. It's noon on Bumpin' Stacy. <laughs> it's going to be a great show. going to send her home. I know. Someone said you don't sound any more stuffy yeah. than normal. Hopefully Thank you're you. okay to drive home. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, we're finally getting to our Mariners conversation. I know we opened the day with some Seahawks talk, and obviously yesterday pitchers and catchers reported, and I know many of you are so eager to just jump right into baseball season. I am too, maybe because it's finally kind of sunny outside. But um, is there a finishing kick in store for the Mariners offseason bump? You and I are going to take a look at the potential of signing Matt Chapman. So Ryan Divish, uh, you, Curtis, who was Divish on with? Was it Wyman and Bob? It was Brock and Salk. Brock and Salk, excuse me. Ryan Divish was uh, was on with Brock and Salk and explained why, in his opinion, the Mariners should absolutely consider signing Chapman if the price is right. You know, if, if Matt Chapman goes and signs for a week or two here, I think the number is going to change, and Matt Chapman may have to go to Boris and say, look, I want to go somewhere. We need to lower the number. And if you're the Mariners, if you can get him on a, you know, I don't think he's going to sign a one-year deal, but if you can get him on a three-year deal, you know, and, and it's it's within range, maybe that's when Jerry DePoto goes to John Stanton and say, hey, look, we've done a lot based on what you wanted us to do and the, the limitations you put on us. But here's a guy right here that finishes our lineup, and we go from maybe a uh, a solid team with everything goes right to you know you remove some of the what if happens or what if injury happens if you add him if you add him for the right price what do you get bump no um if they were to make this move i'm already okay with the offseason because um like most most people we realize the circumstances right the restrictions that depoto has had to try to build this roster and i think he's done a good job i think um we weren't patient to start this offseason because that's just how we are we want to see everything happen right now you go get the big names but if they were to make this move i feel a lot better about this now i know Luis Arias is supposed to be the guy in third base at third base they're going to platoon that thing dylan moore will we'll see at third base um, i'm hearing but if you bring in chapman 
you're you're bringing in power because Luis isn't a power hitter. He's a contact. I'm gonna slap it out there. I'm gonna get on base, which is fine. You need that type of dude um, in your rotation, but um, you bring some power. And and with Chapman, the strikeouts are gonna be less than Gino. Obviously, Gino had more, like a hundred more at bats than he did last year. Uh, strikeouts are gonna go down. Um, but you also get a guy with a glove as well. And that's the part where Gino improved while he was here in Seattle was that um, we started looking at his glove and saying, man, he gets it done. Yeah. So with Chapman, that is an improvement. If this were to go down, I'm already good, feel good about this offseason. Um, I feel way more better. You get him at third base. Uh, Luis can be a utility player. You still got Dylan Moore, but you're not looking at positions and saying, okay, we have to platoon that. Uh, I know it works for some clubs, but for this one, I just want to go a full year and not feel like uh, you don't know who's going to be in the lineup from day to day. Things happen. Guys take days off. I get that. But Chapman would make me just it would it would complete me. Chapman, you complete me. You would complete (laughs) me with this one. Curtis, my question for you is we have seen the Mariners in years past be linked to a couple different players. Like remember they were linked to Colton Wong before they actually ended up signing Colton Wong. But that was when Colton Wong was good. And instead they got like the older, cheaper, worse version of Colton Wong. They got Colton Wong like... Uh, the Kirkland buy, brand Yeah, Colton. when you buy uh, a used car from a rental dealership rather than just like off the lot. Exactly right. So what's the deal with Chapman? Are we looking at this situation again? He His bat is not anywhere near what it was when he was with Oakland. I mean, he had a really good April last year, but cooled off significantly after that. I've kind of likened Chapman to a right-handed Kyle Seeger in a way. Uh, great with the glove, uh, can still hit for power, had 17 home runs in 140 games last year, the year prior to that, 27 home runs. Um, the batting average is never going to be anything amazing. Hit 240 last year, but that OPS 755, slugging 424. So uh, tremendous fielder, not going to hit for a high average, probably going to strike out a lot too. Um, but... It's that glove that I think is the most enticing thing, right. especially on a team right now where defense is not necessarily their calling. Where player. did they take a big step back defensively this offseason? Obviously, they don't have Gino anymore. So let's take third off the board because you would be, let's say, you have Chapman right. here. Where else are you kind of concerned? I don't think they did. Third base was my concern. Yeah. You got better at second base. JP's still holding down shortstop. Julio's in outfield. Um, the like, corner outfield spot's a little dicey. You got Hanniger, Rayleigh, Kenzo. I don't know that I had a ton of faith, though, in Kalnick. Right. Or was I wrong? Well, Kelnick was Kelnick's actually a athletic. pretty good fielder. He's good. Yeah. That's true. That's very yeah. true. He was good. I don't. I um, Curtis is more concerned than I am. I'm. I'm not. I think. Um, and again, maybe it's because um, I look at the outfield and I go, "Yeah, you got to be able to make plays out there." But it's hot in infield, man. You make mistakes in infield, um, you're going to lose some ball games. You you lose them anywhere when you make uh, mistakes. Yeah. But um, I look at the outfield. I'm not as concerned as Curtis. But if there is a spot, yeah, you got to look outfield. There's another incentive that uh, Depoto could pitch to John Stanton, like this one. Yeah, like you've talked about it before. But sometimes a player's value is all about the timing of need, of opportunity. You know, like Matt Chapman's value to the Mariners three months ago maybe wasn't as high when they were still trying to piece together how they're going to even have the payroll to do anything. But now Matt Chapman's value to the Mariners is a little higher because they finished all these other pieces and here's one piece and you say, look, this is the accentuating piece. We don't have to do anything else. You know, and that's the one thing you could tell on to stand is maybe like, hey, look, if we do this now, we might not need to go get guys at the Mm -hmm. trade deadline or as many guys. The Mariners, not typically huge buyers at the deadline. They have done it before. They've made a major trade before. But, I mean, 
yeah, let's say you're an owner that is a little concerned about funds this year. Yeah, I'm going to be listening to, you know, a president of baseball ops that says, hey, remind me come end of July that I told you we wouldn't be looking to make a lot of moves if we brought in Chapman as some insurance. You're you're preparing. You're preparing for that trade deadline. And um, I think this is a move that if it's made, then it doesn't complete this team. I think you're always trying to get better, developing young guys. You're going to see what these arms are going to do. Who knows what these new additions are going to look like. But at least on paper, you feel a lot better about that situation. So, uh, yeah, I hope they get this done. If not, I'm still fine. I I still don't think that this is a contender for the World Series, but I think that they can contend for the AL West, and that's all I'm asking for right now. All right, well, the Seahawks have a couple big decisions to make this offseason, including what to do at pick number 16 overall pro football. Football Focus Draft Analyst Trevor Sikama joins us next.